The Playhouse and That's Not Canon Productions acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this show today and all surrounding areas where we live, learn, and work. We also pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to scene 34 of The Playhouse. Oh, how is everyone doing today? I'm super excited for this chit chat we're going to have today. <laughs> we are talking, of course, to Jess Funds and Bianca Ballady. Yes. Now, with Jess and Bianca, they have their own theatre collective. So baller. I love that. Literally, it's everything amazing. But even better, what a groovy name they've called their collective. The Naughty Corner Collective. And not only are we going to talk about them and their collective, but we're also going to be talking about their amazing production that they're going to be bringing to the powerhouse this year. Yes, indeed. Maze. So exciting. And we're going to discuss all about that and then everything about contemporary theatre, Greek mythology, and all things amazing. This is going to be a fabulous episode. So let's get straight into it. Let's get into it. So we are super excited to have you both here today, Jess and Bianca, and we are talking about Maze, which is coming to the powerhouse in September and October this year, right around the corner. Can you guys just give us a rundown on the concept of the show? So I suppose Maze, the best way to describe it is the contemporary adaptation of the Greek Minotaur mythology. So we were really interested in the myth and particularly interested in the main character of the Minotaur and I guess how he ended up in the labyrinth. So that was our first point of exploration. And yeah, I, the, the play really explores taking an ancient story, putting it into a contemporary framework so that we can have a look at how those things contradict and contrast with each other. Predominantly, we wanted to look at like what makes a monster, what inspires story, what the power of story is and yeah, how mythologies come into play. And then with that as well, we had this idea of self-fulfilling prophecies and, you know, how we sometimes are our own worst enemies when it comes to, yeah, perpetuating particular narratives. So that was something that we were really interested in looking at through that myth. Cool. And, and what yeah. are your roles within the show? I'm one of the writers. So I've been pretty intimately with the material for the last few months, <laughs> um, along with <laughs> Joe Wilson, who's also another one of our Naughty Corner members and a co-writer that I often write with. And I'm the director of the piece which I'm very excited about. The director, I like how you said that. <laughs> Thank you. Very scary. <laughs> oh, lovely. I was wondering if we could have a bit of a, a conversation of how the process actually started because not only this is at the powerhouse, but it's, it's also with the Dead Puppet Society. Yeah, mm-hmm. want to give us a bit of a round on of how that actually started? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, uh, we've been working with Dead Puppet Society um, through the DPS Academy program. So myself, Bianca and Claire, who's another Naughty Corner member and our designer for the show, um, all three of us took part in the DPS Academy when we were still in uni. And uh, then I worked on it in the second year. And then last year they opened it up to um, collectors. And so we applied and we were successful. So it was us and two other groups who were brought in to develop a new concept um, for visual theatre. And that was with the powerhouse. So we... Uh, did that for a couple of months at the end of last year and it resulted in a 20-minute developmental showing um, at the powerhouse for a bunch of industry and there was a public performance but it was really just for us to 
come up with a concept and then we were able to have the space to just develop it and see what came from it, what stuck, what was funky. And uh, from there, after our showing, EPS were really interested in the work and were like, let's see what happens if we develop it into a full project. And, and so that's what we're doing. Both EPS and the powerhouse have been amazing to work with and so supportive, which is fabulous. And was there a massive difference between when you guys did your first showing to now bringing it to a full performance which will be happening soon? Yeah, 100%. I think the the, the 20 minute was is really sort of a taste of what we were looking to create. We, we came up with this staging device, which links itself to visual theatre, which are these like custom made LED light poles. Um, they're really fabulous. They sort of, you know, we start from a black space and then they can create any sort of space that you can think of really easily. They're sort of like in between puppets and props and sets this really weird thing so we started developing those in the development and now with the full production we're seeing what how else we can do those and how we can do them better we've got a bunch of other things that have been brought in lots of like light wire puppetry and we're working with a a choreographer as well Liesl Zink who um, is going to make some really lovely like physical theater moments Um, and then the story has been massively (laughs) overhauled change yeah so I suppose when we when we stepped into the first DPS lab where we started fleshing out the visual aspects of the work that was the primary that was the primary exploration I suppose so the idea of maze it shifted and changed a lot but as a as a little seedling idea it's kind of been with me since probably about 2013 and it always even though the story itself has changed the imagery within the story and the things that propelled us to want to pursue it as an idea have kind of remain the same so yeah as Jess mentioned you know DPS lab and it gave us a really great opportunity and a platform to play with those visual images and to see how we could lend and change the story to to fit that that style of storytelling so yeah this visitation of the work has been a lot more intense I suppose Um, we for example in the first 20 minutes showing we had a handful of dialogue really and in this this new work which is going to be a fully realized one hour to 70 minute performance we have a full script now with a solidified narrative so it's been very quick process um, in the best possible way. I mean, it, it's one of those things that whenever you're making work, especially when you're playing in such a, an interesting time with, with COVID and having to, to change your schedules and move to, to things and, you know, focus on areas that can have attention poured into them. The biggest difference, I suppose, with this part of the process is that we are very supportive, but we are very much in the driving seat. So, you know, being able to come together and work in that way again. Uh, It's the first time we've done that since we did our last independent show at Metro Arts a few years ago. And so jumping back back into it and and with the kind of level of caliber of work that we want to do, it's an exciting time, but it's a lot of work. And the other really nice thing is that we're bringing in a lot of creatives who can help us as uh, as opposed to when we did the showing, which was, you know, we were director, sound designer, a performer, like absolutely everything that you could have needed to do the showing. So it is nice to have the right team in this time around to to Mm -hmm. clean it up and make it what it can be so that's exciting yeah and it sounds like you're using a heap of contemporary techniques and devices so I guess what is the the benefit what's the extra layer that we get from this rather than you know using a traditional olden day Greek text I think working in visual theatre opens up so many cool possibilities of showing different things so even just working with Dead Public Society who are like 
the kings of, of visual theatre, <laughs> at least in Australia, maybe the world. They're really great at investigating every possible way to show something on stage. And so what we've learned through them is sort of that vibe. And I think by presenting it in a way that's really visceral and like sensory and just like nice to look at, sort of showcases the story in a completely different way Um, and especially it's like yeah it's very old meets new the other interesting thing as well I think about the story is traditionally the Minotaur um, which is the character that we're working with hasn't really had a lot of things written about him it's very much he's spoken about but never really says anything himself and are you able to give us a bit of a rundown or how you guys started the Naughty Corner? We all went to uni together. So we went to Griffith University and graduated in 2017. And at the end of our uni period, we were all like, what the heck do we do? How do we be artists and make things? Um, so it was kind of created out of necessity. We were sort of four people that gelled really well together. And we were all sort of working a little bit out side of uni at that stage and just really liked each other and vibed. So we started our collective um, at the end of 2017 and did our first work in the Festival of Australian Student Theatre in 2018, which was something in the water. And then from there, we've just really started and kept going. Yeah, we did Fast and then we went on to Metro Art for the same show. Yeah, it's very... It was out of necessity in the beginning that we we found that we work really well together. And I think yeah. we also we also recognised that within each other, we all had um, unique creative skill sets. So, you know, like we all were able to bring something different to the collective and to be able to support each other because, I mean, everyone who's in theatre recognises that it takes a small army to put a show on. So you need to have, you know, the people in place to make sure that you can you can make it possible otherwise you've got a bunch of people doing the same thing so I think that was something quite lucky for us again like Jess said we all kind of gelled but it was nice that we could all bring something different to the collective and we could all help each other in unique ways and and how do you go about then because obviously some time has passed since 2017 and 2021 Mm -hmm. has the process of creation changed in that time is there stuff that you've learned along the way I think something that's quite unique about us is we've, we've always been really proficient at the business side of things we've, we've always sort of run things tried to run things as pop, as properly as possible um, and to to sort of be aspirational in that sense so we've always you know had our meetings and and done contracts and things like that just to just to elevate our own standard of work and I think that's really helped us become a company as well as artists but in terms of process funny we did a devised course like our whole course at uni was a devised course so very much all working in the same room everyone sort of is across everything and as soon as we started the naughty corner we were very much role orientated so like Bianca would produce and I would do marketing and and even in our processes like we were very much you're the director you're the actor you're the sound designer you're the set designer whatever that may be and that sort of really stuck with us and I think the funny thing about Maze was it was actually a, a throwback to that device process so it was kind of funny getting back into that headspace we created the work together initially and now that we're producing it ourselves again we've sort of slipped back into those separate roles we find that works best for us otherwise we're at each other's phones in, in a, a lovely way. way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the business side then too, and I guess that's the part that gets overlooked because so many people are yeah. like, I want to create, I want to create. What do, what do you know now about the business side that you wish you knew back in 2017? I think one of the biggest things that has become very apparent, obviously running a, a collective and a small company, is that, you know, you go into it wanting to be artists and to make work and work on your craft, 
but I think that it's a pretty, the split in regards to what you need to do in the business to help yourself succeed in, in regards to trying to do better at your craft, you're pouring a lot more of your energy into that. So, you know, a lot of the time, the mental energy that you're putting into creating the company actually takes away from the creative endeavors that you're trying to pursue, which can be really interesting. And I think that it's something that, like you were saying, I think a lot of artists don't necessarily go out into the industry, considering that that's something that needs to happen. Cause even, I suppose, even as an individual artist, you know, it, uh, a lot of the time you're hustling, you're thinking about how you're operating as a sole trader in a business and, you know, uh, applying for grants, applying for a lot of different things. So the business aspect of what you want to do in your career is, is quite large. And I think that that gets overlooked. So I was just yes. wondering, what are some advice when it comes to grant writing? Because it is so different mm-hmm. compared to your normal, hey, yeah, would love a bit of coin. <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the biggest and best things that I, I would say arguably we got from our degree was the essay writing component <laughs> because you have to honestly, like when you're doing your grants, you need, you need to be specific, you need to be academic in your language and clear and concise about what you're wanting to get out of the funding. You really need to know what you're bringing to the table and what the benefit is for someone to give you their time or to give you their money. So you need to have really, um, you know, really think about and form your ideas and your arguments about why the work or why the project is deserving of funding and what you'll bring to the table and why it's mutually beneficial. So I think if you're thinking about it that way, that's really, really good way to go in and push when it comes to your argument. And then I think when it comes to all the other things, just be prepared, read everything 20 times and do it exactly the way they want it. Because I think that that is one of the things that can trip people up, like not having the right referrals, not considering their budgets clearly and being realistic about, you know, where you are in your career and what kind of audience you can bring in. Not knowing who your audience is, is really detrimental to your grant application and and not knowing what it is that you're giving back. So I think that that can be something, you know, everyone wants to make art, but what is the art doing for the community? Because at the end of the day, if someone's giving you money, that's what they want to know. And I think too, um, one of the biggest things, we went to a session actually like a few years back, Jess and I, with Arts Queensland, I think it was learning about, and I think those seminars happen, I don't know at the moment with COVID, but they do happen pretty annually, I believe, where artists can go in and learn about, you know, how to go about their grants. One of the things that we were told is that it's good to come with an already realized idea that just needs the funding. You know, you're not going to them asking them to help you build something. You're going, I've built this thing. And if you can give me funding, then it's just going to be 10 times better for these reasons. I think that is, it shows that you're organized, that you know what you're doing. And, you know, then it's just the last piece of the puzzle falling into place as opposed to them being like, okay, well, how and why is this going to be? Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things that is just, you guys have said, it's just a necessity of making work. It's a bummer about being an artist is you want to make all this beautiful art, but it takes money and it takes resources to do that. It's also so annoying because I remember leaving uni and being like, I never have to write an essay again. I'm so happy. <laughs> and then I literally write more things like that now. I'm so annoyed about it. I think just as, a, as an artist, just saying what you bring to the table um, and making sure it's an exchange instead of you know, asking for something for nothing, like no one wants to do that. So, and I think that extends to like outside grants that even, that even it just extends to, like I was saying before networking and, you know, when you're going and making relationships with people, it's less about this, what can you give me attitude and more about this like push and pull of, okay, well, this is my worth. This is what I can bring to the table. And this is why it would be beneficial to you and your company are you happy to assist in this way and giving them parameters? And sometimes that's a common misconception, I think, 
particularly when um, people are coming straight out of uni thinking that you can go up to people and just be like, oh, you know, can you help me out? Can you do this? But it, it takes, the reality is that it takes a lot of proving your worth, a lot of, you know, being around and interning and being, in, being there for people before you can actually start to, you know, expect that turnaround. Well, not even expect it, but you know what I mean, to, to think that that turnaround is going to happen. What advice then would you have for people maybe who are in uni still or maybe fresh out of uni or maybe not even thinking about uni at all Yeah, if they wanted to start a theatre collective? Ooh, my, oh, my. Yeah, I would say I think finding like-minded people that you, you get along with, obviously, as friends, but also in a professional sense, you gel nicely as creatives. I think that's always a really good start. Yeah. Um, You're going to be in each other's spaces a lot. So you want to be able to get along. I honestly think that we, I was like Jess and all of us were saying the other day, like we spend more time with each other than we do our own families and external friends. So like support each other and you have mutual respect for each other. Because the other thing is too, like you don't have to agree all the time, but you do have to be able to come to each other with concerns and, and questions and be able to be, honest with each other because at the end of the day you're running and operating a business so you need to be able to have those discussions Um, and sometimes those discussions are hard things to have so I think yes mutual respect is really important and like an air of professionalism at all times I think too like we were saying finding people that are bringing different things to the table I think one of the biggest things that we've learned across our collective is that we have become producers out of necessity but it's not necessarily the thing that we love to do so I think that if you can like I would highly recommend not creating a collective with like five people who all want to act or five people who all want to write because it's just not going to happen if, if that's the thing that um, you want to do outside of the collective then that's that's great but I think that if you can balance the wants and needs of the group it's it's going to end up being more beneficial and it's going to work out fair you're going to burn each other out less I think is a is a good thing to think about yeah and I'm assuming it's a very daunting process when you in the beginning phases of even starting a collective and I guess like Jess said too like always thinking about what you want to be doing and behaving in a way that you know not being too big for your boots but making sure that you're you know putting the right foot forward that you're always presenting yourself in a way that is going to help you move forward have a look at the professional companies that are out there and what they're doing what their marketing strategies look like how they hold themselves what kind of PR and um you know all that all of that sort of stuff what are they doing what are their shows doing so I think that that's really important to be able to look up to people that you admire and be like you know our pathway may be different but how do we emulate that vibe or energy so that we're always hitting that mark and then revisiting that as you, you know, as you start to hit goals and, and make progress. Absolutely. Those are very important things once you've found the right people. But I think as well, especially in uni, it's so important to, to try out a bunch of different things. And you know, that's why oh, things yeah, like sure. anywhere, anywhere Festival exists and, and, you know, fast back in the day, like it's always great to try out a process with people and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, you know, sometimes things just aren't for you and that's all good. Also knowing what sort of work you want to make is always really a good thing to know. It's not essential, I think, to know exactly what kind of work you want to make in the beginning because it's all trial and error and seeing what you vibe with and what you don't. But um, yeah, just, just trying a bunch of stuff out. That's what uni is for. It's like a really awesome time for you to discover what you like to do. And that's a really good point too, Jess, because like when we first started as the collective, we definitely went into our first um, undertaking in FAST with the understanding that that was us trying to see how we work together. 
So I think it's good to find platforms when you're fresh out of uni that do offer some sort of support, like a festival like Fast or Anywhere, where, you know, you have people helping you and you can focus on how you make the work with the other people in your company. And then, yeah, if it's successful, you keep moving forward with it and you keep seeing how that can eventually But yeah, trying things is a really good idea because I think for most of us in the naughty corner as well, you know, we're still learning about the things that we most like and dislike within the industry and the things that we want to bring to the table versus the things that we, you know, maybe are okay not doing. So I think that, and even going into uni, I think a lot of people have that revelation, particularly with our course that we did, which was the applied theatre bachelor. A lot of us went in thinking we wanted to be actors or wanting to be directors. And then you come out the back of it going, oh, I want to be a writer. I want to be a producer and I want to make theatre. So I think that um, as long as you want to make theatre, period, I think that you could be in a collective. But I think if you've got a very specific idea of what you want, um, say you want to just pursue acting or you want to just be a director, I think then that um, I would surround yourself with people who want to make theatre that you can be a part of because I think yeah that's that's the hardest part of being I think in a company like this is that you're constantly having to think about how you're going to generate new work how you're going to bring things up and how you're going to facilitate the projects I'm I'm literally (laughs) in my last semester at uni right now so I'm like oh going into the real world what's happening (laughs) and it's a bit like it is daunting and overwhelming too because I the thing that I've consistently found personally in the industry and I think everybody has is that there's no correct like there's no correct pathway it's like you have to really just feel it out have a look at what other people have done and then be like okay well I could try for that um, and see what happens a big portion of it is hard work and then there's a bit of luck and a bit of talent. I think that as long as you're out there and you're constantly pushing yourself and trying to learn things, you're always going to be in an okay position. Like I know we both did a lot of interning. We have done a lot of projects and independent learning opportunities and things like that through things like Highway Festival um, at La Boite and um, getting involved with programs that are there to help emerging artists. And then through that, that's helped us to learn about our craft and, and how to yeah, facilitate conversations and work in the room and it just gets you close to other people that you can that you aspire to be like and can learn from so I think that that's really important like acknowledging that you know uni is a big part of your learning but then once you leave uni you've got so much more to learn which it's you know it sucks sometimes but <laughs> I think that that's it, it's a really good thing to know that the the work in regards to what you can learn it's infinite yeah, and that segues really nicely to our next section because you both work with the Naughty Collective and also outside. Like we know, Jess, you were just working on Caesar, which Chelsea and I saw mm-hmm. and we were obsessed with. <laughs> obsessed, obsessed. I'm like, as a side note, I am desperately hoping that they release a recording of it because it would be so helpful in teaching the Year 12s for IA3 with contemporary yeah. theatre. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. if, if you know any birdies, just be like, release a recording. <laughs> I love you for it. <laughs> And also, Bianca, you've worked with Dead Puppet Society, Metro Arts, Play Lab. So I guess our question is, what do you take from each of these other experiences and projects? A, how do you pick to do them? But B, what do you take from them in terms of learning and bringing back to the to the company? The funny thing with Caesar is it actually ended up being really perfect timing for me because um, we're about to start rehearsals for May's. I, with 
Caesar, I was an assistant creative on it. So I was actually meant to do the program last year and then COVID happened and so they cancelled the season and that was sucky. Um, but it meant that I got to work on Caesar this year, which is amazing. And the best thing about it was I hadn't directed, I haven't, I haven't directed a show since the beginning of last year. So it was a really great opportunity for me to get back into that headspace and also just like sit in a professional room and see how a professional room, um, professional room operates. And so that was like a perfect example of me soaking every single second up for me to take into my process for maze. I learned so much. I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And that was always very helpful for the Naughty Corner. We are consistently referencing things we've learned, um, especially when you are working with bigger companies like Black Love White or Step Puppets or Play Lab. Just watching how they work and trying to emulate that is usually steers you in the right direction. Oh, and what about you, Bianca? So I guess like the two companies that I've been most affiliated with or most interested in working with long-term was obviously Dead Pub Society, which, you know, they're just incredible mentors and they've been involved in, I guess, my creative growth for quite a few years since leaving uni. So I first made introduction with them through university when they came in and obviously did one of our um, courses with us but then after that we did the first um, academy and then from that that kind of it was that I guess like that work begets work idea where I started to build a relationship with them I was lucky enough to be um, involved in the inaugural megafauna so that's the big puppet installation they're like big wombats <laughs> that walk around usually in South Bank Parkland so I did that with them I think the very first time that was part of the com games and then since then, I've done it a number of times uh, for Queensland Music Festival that we recently just went out to Quilpie and did Echoes in the Dust, which was incredible. So I've somewhat uh, started doing puppeteering, which was something I never, ever thought I would do, which is that one of those things where, you know, you learn as you as you move through that. Um, and I actually found that for me, pup, uh, puppetry was uh, something that I was really interested in because I personally... Uh, you know, performing makes me quite nervous, which is quite funny because I went into university thinking I wanted to be an actor and I've come out of it realising that I like being behind a puppet because it takes some of the focus away from you. So I think that like that was one of those big learning curves for myself. And then obviously just learning from them, I think that they're incredible visionaries in regards to what the, they create in their content um, in the visual theatre world. And also they're just so business savvy and, and I just loved how they operate their company. And it was always uh, am I suppose an interest of mine to to learn from them so the mentorship from them has just been incredible and all of the things that we've learned like Jess was saying has been so applicable to our own practice as a collective and company and yeah they've just been so generous with us and then I suppose from a writing standpoint I've always been very interested in working with Playlab so that has been like Again, um, I mentioned before about, you know, it can take years to cultivate relationships with companies. That's true of both the DPS and PlayLab. I originally interned for them when I was in uni back in 2017. So that was part of my learning outcomes for university and my course. And then from that, I applied a couple of times, I think, for their incubator program. And I eventually got in in 2019 and that was incredible. I got to work with lovely Catherine Marquet. So um, we, through through that program, I was able to learn a lot more about my craft and about learning how to write. And they've been very incredible in regards to their support uh, moving forward from there, uh, allowing us to come in and learn from them. I've also sat in on like 
rehearsals for Blue Bones and things like that. Um, Ian Lawson's been very generous in letting me come in the room in that respect. And recently I was lucky enough to get individuals funding throughout Queensland and that was to, uh, to facilitate further learning with PlayLab. In lieu of being able to, to find something, I, I was like, okay, well, how do you generate your own opportunity? How do you bring something to someone you really, really want to work with? and meet them halfway. And that was the instance definitely with PlayLab. You know, they were very willing to support me in my application. And so, yeah, that that ended up working out really well. So I think now because of that, we've got this growing relationship, which I think is really exciting. We, we both work like day jobs as ushers. So I work at Le Bois mm-hmm. and at Metro. Bianca works at Metro Le Bois and QPAC. And so just in that instance, we're always around theatre as well and just seeing lots of work and that like it's such an awesome job to have to to stay active in the theatre industry and see what people are doing and I think that always is like a great thing to do if you're an artist yeah and seeing how the industry works like seeing especially if you want to make theatre like seeing theatre regularly but yeah learning about the industry is really important I know for for me before ushering I was working as a talent agent actually for a few years and that was really really eye-opening experience in regards to you know just seeing how like what the actors what actors how actors careers move and and how agents contribute in in the industry and how the industry works from the back end so like that was a really interesting yeah career pivot that I had for a little bit and I think that I guess one of the only things and and one of the reasons I suppose for moving away from that direction was just because especially if you want to be a creative, if you want to write, if you want to perform, if you want to um, do anything that takes any creative mental energy, I think sometimes it's good to give yourself more room, I guess, um, mentally to be able to, to be creative. Sometimes when you're in production roles or in really intense workflows, it can be really hard to open up space and time to dedicate to your craft. And yeah sometimes you have to make that really hard decision of like is that the thing that I really want to do and if it is how do I give myself room to do that and I think that that can be something that can derail artists sometimes is you know not knowing how to give themselves space or not giving themselves permission to to make space for themselves because it is tough like you know everyone needs to work everyone needs to to make money and be financially viable and sometimes (laughs) yeah and sometimes that's feels impossible in this industry especially when you're starting out so yeah it's easy sometimes to get derailed and um yeah but I, w- I would encourage people who who are really passionate about the craft to to give themselves I've said yeah space to do that I suppose and permission to to do that yeah you guys have mentioned it and um it's just I think one of the great things I will say about Brisbane Brisbane is like I'm always so surprised not surprised but it's amazing how warm <laughs> the community is here and how generous people are in Brisbane, particularly people that like, you know, they're operating big theater companies and businesses. They're so generous um, with their time and so open to giving feedback and support to artists who are willing to do the work, obviously that I don't know that you would get that in other cities where there's such a concentration in the industry. So, you know, the fact that we are a small and growing industry can sometimes be a real benefit or a real like, just really great for people who are coming up because it feels less daunting sometimes. Yeah. Everyone we've ever approached has been so incredible across the companies in, in um, our industries. Theatre house is known as the home of theatre and whatnot. And, you know, you guys have done work experience and been at different theatre venues like Metro Arts, Playlab, Powerhouse, you name it. Where's home for you? 
my god. <laughs> <laughs> that question always comes people off guard. She's a big question. Oh, that's a hard one. I feel like there's so many answers. I'm such because I'm a very big sentimentalist. So I think usually a theatre is, is feels really nice and especially I think Le Bois for me because I've been there I've worked there for like six or seven years now and I was a volunteer and ambassador before that and so I'm like whenever I enter the roundhouse I'm just like oh god love you so that's probably a really homey space for me. For me I suppose most of my experience with theatre is with my naughty corner people having a wine having a chat (laughs) about our next project no but I suppose that's kind of like the home space for me because we're with each other so much and that's where most of our creative stuff happens good very comfortable with each other at this point (laughs) (laughs) definitely like a little family so I think yes Oh, for sure, definitely. Yeah. Before we uh, end the episode here, mm-hmm. where can people follow? Where yeah. can people follow you? Sure. Um. So we are on Facebook and um, Instagram. So Facebook is the Naughty Corner Collective. Instagram is at the Naughty Corner Collective. Um. You can also visit our website, which is still under construction, but hopefully she'll be ready soon. Which is the Naughty Corner Collective dot com. Um. And we'll post everything there. We have you know, fun stories and things like that on Instagram. We try and keep everyone updated with what we're doing. Yeah. Well, thank you both (laughs) so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you guys are absolute legends. Thank you. The Playhouse Picks. It's the Playhouse Picks. It's time for another one of the Playhouse Picks. (laughs) Fabulous. You should be a songwriter. Stop it, darling. (laughs) Now, it is time for our fabulous Playhouse picks. Now, naturally, our first pick for today is, of course, the wonderful Jess and Bianca's Maze. The Naughty Corner will present this from the 29th of September to the 2nd of October at the Powerhouses Underground Theatre. And next up, seeing as we can't do international travel anytime soon, sad face, Javine Bar Theatre are transporting us over to the city that never sleeps with their production of Ordinary Days. In New York City, four ordinary lives connect in some extraordinary ways. Each song reveals more of their characters and we get to know them as they come to truly know each other. This tale of the humans of New York lights up Javine Bar from the 17th of September to the 2nd of October. Javine Bar Theatre, of course, in Narang on the Gold Coast. Finally, for those who enjoy the story of My Fair Lady, Noosa Arts Theatre is presenting the original George Bernard Shaw play that first created Eliza Doolittle, Pygmalion. For the uninitiated, Pygmalion is the classic story of a Cockney-speaking flower girl, Eliza Doolittle, who is upon a bet by two upper-class gentlemen, learns how to transform into a poised, well-spoken duchess. This classic play entertains the Sunshine Coast from the 14th to the 23rd of October. Gorge. Gorge. (laughs) The world's a crazy place, so if there's any changes to the dates or info, locations, etc., we will be sure to do some info on our Instagram. We'll do like another Playhouse Picks post or something like that. Bit of a cheeky update for all of us. Just an update. So if you are keen, I guess the best source is to check with the theatre companies directly. If you can't figure that out, we'll put it on our Instagram too. Mm, Definitely. And you can always follow us on our socials at Playhouse Pod on the Instagram or the Playhouse Podcast on Facebook. Or just leave a cheeky review, subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you name it. And while you're doing all that stuff, 
remember to do, um, move your body around today. Maybe do some stretches. Maybe go um, go for oh, yeah. a light walk. Yes, definitely. Get minutes. off your butt. Okay, I will. Right. When did I when did I start doing wellness tips at the end of every episode? Is that a recent thing? Um, eat eat a vegetable. Read a read a book. Do a Sudoku. Definitely. I'm I'm using up my wellness tips. I need to save them. Oh well, it's been great talking to you, Chelsea, and we'll see you all next week. Definitely. And thank you so much to Jess and Bianca for coming on to the fabulous Playhouse podcast. We really do appreciate all your words and wisdom and everything like that. And we cannot wait to see Mays at the powerhouse. Woo-woo. Cannot wait. In the meantime, we'll see you next week. Bye, Roomies. Bye, Roomies. Let's, really? Yep, I'm ready. Really? Okay, here we go. Yep. That's Not Canon Productions podcast. The Disney vs. Disney Debates podcast is all about finding the answer to one simple question. What is the best Disney movie of all time? Maybe the question isn't that simple. So join us every Saturday as hosts from all across That's Not Canon fight for their movies in one-on-one debates moderated by me, Zane C. Weber. In order to decide once and for all which of Disney's beloved classics or recent hits will take the crown. Save it for the show. Available now on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you find podcasts. Oh, that's not kind of productions podcast.